DMs. Have you ever felt like banishing a player to the Astral Sea for insisting your rule interpretation was bogus? Players, have you ever felt frustrated that a 19 on a perception check only tells you that there may or may not be something there? Bards, tired of disappointing your parents when you explain what kind of college you actually went to? Then this is the podcast for you. Where we take a hard look at the rules of the game, the reality of the table, and the role of the dice to solve D&D's most heated arguments. This is Raw and Order. Dun-dun! Fans and fam, welcome back. Welcome back. I don't. I don't know why I went Mina Sultan there. Yeah, I I, maybe, maybe I was just channeling Sandy there for a second. I yeah, know. Have you ever watched the SNL skit, Pat and Jack's backpack shack? You've. you've have I done it on this before? before? I'm so I've obsessed with that thing. <laughs> you've mentioned it, but I haven't seen it. However, I do play. I'm playing a gnome right now. Uh, her name's Bimini, or or not Bimini? Sorry, there's a drag queen named Bimini. Her name is Bimmy, <laughs> and she's she talks like this, you know. Oh, jeez, that's just downright uh, unfortunate. I love it. It's a lot of fun. How are you? And oh, I'm doing just great. How are you, Joe? Oh, you know, you know, a oh. little bit of this, a little bit of that. Ooh. I I got my own Twitter. Oh my god. Yeah, you're in the Twitterverse. Have you have you liked us yet? Just you wait. Just you. Oh, just you wait until you see what I I sent to. Oh dear. Uh, what I tagged our Twitter in that you haven't responded to yet. Oh my god, I'm so nervous. <laughs> So uh, but I guess it was like kind of a holiday weekend, so whatever. Um, but no, I, it's actually kind of exciting. So the first tweet I tweeted was like, I'm I'm joining solely. Uh, so that I can start following Katie Maravich, who's a comedian from College Humor, because I just think she's fucking hilarious. And she liked my tweet and like <laughs> replied to it. Um, and I was like, I'm famous. Oh my God. Done. <laughs> Ding. Box checked. I have six followers, honey. Honey, they're all my <laughs> Already? friends. Already? Mm-hmm. Okay, I gotta find you and we'll follow you. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I figured I figured it's time. Because you know it's what? Time. I think I might start one of my, one of my best friends from undergrad. Um, just recently, like, was like, "Fuck Facebook, bye." And I'm like, you know what? And you, mm-hmm. I, before this podcast, were like, "Facebook sucks." And I'm like, yeah, I, I might make that transition. I don't really rely on Facebook. You know what I do when I watch Facebook? I watch those videos of guys turning turning random shit into furniture into with like things. resin. Yeah. yeah, like they pour resin over flowers yes. and then wood turn it. And then that becomes a vase. And I'm like, that's all I do on Facebook. <laughs> I watch cooking videos and that's about mm. it. There's those. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, I used to be on there for like, you know, when you're in college and you use it for literally everything, you're like constantly mm. on it. And then you use it to stalk everybody who you yeah. have a mild interest in, but don't actually I still care do enough that. to follow up on. Yeah. Yep, I still yep. do that. I do yep. that kind of in the background. Mm-hmm. And now it's honestly like, did anything major happen that I haven't caught? <laughs> I mean, yeah. And like, that's the, uh, the uh, 
Yeah. I mean, like the goal would be like, maybe I'll just follow the AP on Twitter and then like get yeah. all my news from that. But, but yeah, like there's so much that happens on like with all the flooding in New York last week, oh, like yeah. I, I found out about that from Facebook and I got How's to see fam? like all of the, they're fine. They're fine. Out on Long Island, everyone was okay, but yeah, it was terrible in the city. Oh. So, um, but yeah, it's so sorry not to not to drag us down and <laughs> um yeah, but I got a Twitter so exciting. What, what about you? Anything exciting? Anything new? Well, I had two topics I wanted to talk about today. Oh. The first you were there for, and it was Sunday's game. Yes, when I oh, finally God. got to use the the Oath Keeper, as we have named her. Yeah, paladin so good. level six paladin level one hexblade uh warlock yes it is an insane combination guys. the synergy like the synergy mama insanity nuts absolutely nuts she Ridic. can do so much fucking stuff <laughs> she can do most anything with her pony pal zelato to if you've got a heart, then Iso's the gal for you. That was the Gumby theme song. I love that. Oh, I thought you just came up with it. Oh no, I forgot the name really of your good. horse. <laughs> but yes, you. okay, he did mention my horse Zolato, who is I have the fine steed spell, mm-hmm. and this pure gold horse appears when mm-hmm. I cast it, and his name is Zolato, which means gold in Russian. That's so <laughs> cute. I didn't even know that. But no, I just want to talk about like how excited I am about this combination. So excited to see where she goes so with good. this. I'm definitely going to be picking up at least two more levels of Warlock yes. as we level up with this. And it's going to be insane. The Hexblade, like, uh, Hexblade curse? What the hell? Like, yeah. there's just so many things that are in it. And my it's, favorite is that when the enemy yeah. dies, you heal. What? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you can only use so with specifically. You, you can only use it once per per combat. Yeah, sure. No, no, but, oh, it's like once per, long, per, per short or long, long rest. Is it either mm-hmm. for hexplates? I thought hexplates curse was only long. Well, whatever. Either way, the you can only use it once. So I guess that's some limitation on it. But yeah, it is, dude. You you've you've doubled your crit chance mm-hmm. as a paladin, right? Because mm-hmm. now you crit on a nineteen or a twenty. Mm-hmm. With Hexblade's Curse, which means you've doubled the number of times that you could possibly benefit from doing a high-level smite. Um, and it's amazing. You do extra damage equal to your proficiency bonus, so it's an yeah. automatic scale with, with your level. It's nuts, dude. I don't know why I've done this to myself to to allow this, but <laughs> no, it's amazing. It's I. It's like one of the best combos you could have picked as a Absolutely. paladin. Absolutely, and thank you for suggesting it. I know we were throwing yeah. around a few ideas, and you were like, "What about warlock?" Yeah, I was like, "Is yeah. that different than sorcerer?" And you're like, <laughs> "Yes." <laughs> Just a little bit. Um, okay, and then the other thing was I saw Shang Chi yesterday. <gasps> oh, do you want yes. to know my honest thoughts about this movie? One hundred percent. It is probably my favorite Marvel movie. Okay, I've heard this. So Michael uh, tweeted about it. Uh, Michael is our guest today, by the ah. way. Everyone, he's coming. He's coming back. Um, he tweeted about it and was like, "Shang Chi was legit awesome." Yes. And I've only seen rave reviews, and I'm a little taken aback because. 
I think maybe they set themselves up a little bit, like they played the expectations game a little bit. Like we're kind of like, oh, we don't know if it's going to be good. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's just oh, and some that, random Marvel character. No it one really just, knows about him. Yeah, it was kind of random, and like I wanted to see because Aquafina's in it. And I yes. think she's amazing. Um, but I don't know the whole. She's the so tr- funny in it too. Oh my. Gosh. Oh my god. Yes. Okay, good. She just Is gets she to be a lot herself. Honestly, yeah, she's in the whole thing. Oh my god. Okay, now I want to see it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you should definitely go see it. I was actually shocked by how well they managed to pump humor into this film. Sure. I feel like sometimes Marvel movies are hit or miss with the laughs. You know, like yeah. like Robert Downey Jr. is a hilarious individual. And anything right. he says can be funny when he says it. And sure. so yeah, his yeah, movies yeah. have been really high in comedy, even though they're lower in the like plot scale for me. But he's a funny uh-huh. guy and he does it really well. Some of the other movies, like, I don't think Captain America is, like, capable of cracking jokes. So his movies are always, like, yeah. soups awkward whenever they try to be funny. I'm like, why are you doing this? Don't try this. Yeah, he's just like, oh, there's white man. Yeah. And you're like, oh, <laughs> cool. Cool. Dude. <laughs> but, no, Shang-Chi did a great job of balancing very, very, very cool fight choreography. Oh, my God. I could just, okay. like, watch that fighting all day long. It was like watching a ballet. It was so beautifully done. Does Aquafina get in that? No, she does get oh, to shoot okay. some arrows though, which is, okay. she does it in a really funny way too, and it's really funny. It's cute. I'm like totally here for it. Yes. I'm excited. I'm a little surprised. I mean, I guess not surprised. I'm. It's a little weird that it's happening this late after like the like all of the Avenger stuff. But I guess he's not an Avenger. Were not there other yet. people? Yeah. Oh. Well, I mean, um, Doctor Strange's friend. Oh, the, that's like, right. Asian friend yes. he has whose name I can't okay. remember. You said it. I didn't. <laughs> well, that's the only way I can identify him when I don't yeah, know his name. The, like the main Yeah, the other guy. main guy. Yeah. He is in this one. Got um, it. And, and, well, then, and Doctor Strange, is, his thing is about to happen. Yeah, right? yeah his Isn't thing his... is about to happen. So I bet you Shang-Chi's in that. Yes. Then. And we briefly see um, Banner and Captain mm. Marvel. Oh, okay. Very, very. It's like the end credits thing. I didn't see Captain Marvel. Was Captain Marvel? (gasps) Really? I know. Good. I mean, it wasn't like the greatest thing in the universe, in the Marvel universe, even. Sure. Um, but it was a good movie. It was. It was very well done. I thought. I. I. Okay. Here's my thoughts. Shang Chi was better. Oh, Oh. All right. Well, I. I love superheroes x-men was like my all-time favorite yes. superhero thing growing up uh also marvel right um the hugh jackman versions no no like the cartoon oh, like oh, way I got like, you. like comic X-Men. cartoon yeah yeah yeah. yeah 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 but yeah like i mean and the, and those movies were some of the first like big marvel movies that right. came out it, um i i i like the like the avengers and stuff it's not my it's not like my thing i'm actually looking forward to the eternals yes i know nothing about this which is actually very exciting to me because i'm like the less i know the better it will be (laughs) yeah and kumail nanjiani is in it and is like looking sexy as fuck so and angelina jolie looks awesome Mm -hmm. like it looks is it like selma hayek in that one yeah, Selma Hayek. Yeah. Um, uh, what's his face? Kit Harrington from yes. Game of Thrones. Yeah. So it's going to be... I, I like darker, more serious, gritty stuff. So whenever they would pepper in the humor, it was always kind of like, oh, cool. All right. Mm-hmm. Superheroes and like whatever. I just... I don't know. I, I liked all the Avengers movies and stuff, but I wasn't like so hung up on them. I loved, however wandavision and loki have you seen those i haven't seen loki i watched maybe the first two episodes of wandavision before i gave up 
okay you have to get to the third episode it it really picks up after that okay it and it gets so fucking good and towards the end it is and Catherine Hahn's amazing in it, and uh, so is uh, uh, what's her name? Olson. What's uh, her first uh, name? Uh, oh God, I was like Mary Kate. Actually, Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Um, she's phenomenal too. Like they're both so good. And Loki, I loved been Loki. Raving about Loki. You have to watch. Did it. you watch Falcon and Winter Soldier? I did not. No. Okay. I'm not the because I'm not like huge on Captain. I, mean, I don't know. No, I me um, neither, man. I didn't watch it either. I didn't care for it, and I wasn't interested in it, and I didn't even like the Captain America movies when I watched them. But I yeah. only watched them because I was like, you have to watch everything in the MCU. But right. Shang-Chi was really, really good. And you that's so go good. Okay, that's awesome. Yay! Okay. Yay, I'm so glad. It but can that. I tell you the cutest part about it? 100%. Tell me. There was this little kid, maybe six years old, sitting in front of us, mm-hmm. and he was Asian, and he was just like so excited to see somebody on the screen right. that like looked like him yeah and at the end of the movie he gets up and turns around and he's like why is no one clapping oh. and we all start like clapping and he's like this movie was so good yeah. and he's just like raving about this i mean movie. how dare she how dare that little boy tell you to start clapping first of all fuck off little boy what no you can i was clap. there you for can it clap. i was like yeah, you can clap, clap or not clap <laughs> but i probably would have also. it was just the sweetest thing in the world and then, like, he retold the plot immediately after to anybody who would listen. And it was that just is the cutest thing cute. ever. The last movie I saw in theaters was The Green Knight. What? It, it made no sense. The Green Knight? Yeah. With, um, what's his face? <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. What's his face? <laughs> what? Oh, God. I'm not going to remember his name. Um, uh, uh, he's Indian. He's, um, oh, uh, the, Aziz the main- Ansari? No, no, no. Uh, he's the the Green Knight. He's the main character. It was just. It was an A twenty four film. It ben was Kingsley? fucking. <laughs> you're just naming every. Yeah, I'm like person. Indian men. Mahatma Gandhi. No, Anna. <laughs> I forgot. Uh, I forgot his name. But um, uh, it was just weird. And yeah, that's my story. Okay. Cool, 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 cool. When did that come out? I never even heard of it. In August. It just. It was very, very, listen, at one point he jizzes on a, on a belt he's wearing and then randomly like, like kisses, like this king, like leans in and kisses him for no reason. And you're like, why are these guys making out? I'm here for it. But why is it happening? You saw this in the theater? Yes. Um, I mean, you don't see anything, but like it, like it just was the weirdest fucking movie it's based on a poem, the Green Knight, Arthurian, like the Green Knight. Is he like a superhero? No, 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 no. This is like a King Arthur, whatever, oh. but it's an A24 film. You know, A24 does all those. Indian person in the league? Oh, God. I have to look it up now because I can't. We can't just sit here pondering. Right. We need to know. We need answers. Um, Dev Patel. Oh, Slumdog Millionaire. Sure, I didn't see that, but yes, I didn't see it either. Um, but that's just he's where I know very him from. attractive. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. he's very attractive. Mm-hmm. He's very attractive in the movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is the weirdest, and quite frankly, one of the most boring films I've ever seen. <laughs> it was visually stunning. It was beautiful, but oh my god, I wanted to scream. So anyway, well, hopefully the <laughs> next time we chat, you will have watched Shang Chi, and then we can obsess right. about it together. So do they? Can you like just like watch new movies now? Whenever you like, can I just like watch it 
here? Do I have to go to a theater? You have I don't to want go to, to go a to theater a th- for this one. You didn't for <sighs> Black Widow, but you have to for Shang-Chi. Okay. Now, did Scarlett Johansson play the lead in Shang-Chi? <laughs> <laughs> she is the lead in all Disney films moving forward. That was in her oh. contract. That is what everyone has agreed to, and there ain't uh, no getting out of it. <laughs> apparently, wait, do you know what, ha- what all went down with that? Because apparently she signed on for several more films or something now. I mean, I don't know what was preventing her from signing on for several more films. Just because she you sue your them. employer doesn't mean you can't continue <laughs> to work for your employer. <laughs> I assume they reached a settlement or something. Yeah, I don't right? know if that yeah. litigation is still going on, but uh, all right, all well, right. Well, that was anyway. That was super interesting. Should we get to our show? Yeah, Michael, Michael, Moiki. Let me call him over, Moiki. <laughs> Michael, put those things down, honey. Come on over. We're gonna talk. All right. <laughs> what? Okay. All I'm right, excited for over. him to listen to this episode. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. All right, let's do it. Okay. Oh, yay, oh, yay, oh, yay. The Honorable Chief Justices Joe and Anna and Associate Justice Michael of the Supreme Court of D&D. All persons having business before this court are admonished to draw near, give their attention, and stop bidding on Elvis's hair, for the court is now sitting. Do you guys what? know about this? No. <laughs> Hi, Michael. Hi, Michael. Hello. Anna, you need to explain yourself. I yeah. I obviously just open up like CNN right before I write these things because I'm like, what is happening in the news? <laughs> and everything is like super depressing, 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 mm-hmm. depressing. And then suddenly they're like, Elvis's hair sold for like $64 million. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and somebody bought like a uh, head? Uh, head hair? No, yes. Or, you know. Unknown, okay. unknown origin. We just why know did, it's Elvis's hair, and somebody paid like it? millions of dollars for it. <laughs> a jar of Elvis Presley's hair sells for seventy-two thousand five hundred. Okay, and okay. a sixty-four Whatever. million dollars. At <laughs> Numbers are hard. 000. We know this. <laughs> okay, but how is any thousands of well, dollars look, appropriate for there. Elvis's hair? <laughs> no, uh, yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> You it, smell you it. Just, you keep it. <laughs> and, yeah. you, you know. You, you, you can do whatever. You can shake it to ward away bears. You can, <laughs> you can put it in a salad. Yeah, you can paste <laughs> it on your own head if you're bald. What is that? You can that? do so many things with hair. There is sort of like a, like a thing, like, I don't know, an old-timey, like, medieval or something, like a lock of a woman's hair or something like that. Like, what is that? Yeah, the cast spells. Duh. Is that is it that, hello? Is it an arcane focus? Is that what it is? <laughs> I don't know. What are you stealing locks of women's hair? It's like a thing. I don't know. It's a thing. It's he like didn't a, say no. Well, I'm not. <laughs> no. <laughs> Let me get ahead Sarah, of this. if you're listening, are you doing watch this? out. Uh, it's a watch thing. out. <laughs> Before I get canceled, I don't steal hair. <laughs> yeah. Like in um Lord of the Rings, Gimli gets three strands of Galadriel's hair in specific. He asked for one. She gives him three. But it's like a thing. I don't oh, know. Oh, you're talking about the like, oh, for my love, I yes. give you a lock of hair. Yes, thing. that's what I mean. It's yes, so weird, yes. Right? In the like, 
Jane Austen times, that was a very romantic thing to do to oh, give yeah. your your because, beau a lock of hair. So you were saying hair? Me. That's exactly what I'm talking about. No, but, no, I thing. no, I thought you were talking about like people now collecting <laughs> old timey hair. Okay, I'm like nobody is doing this. No, I'm thinking, like maybe it's related. But, maybe somebody has this romanticized notion of like Elvis well, think about hair it. and like. Think about it. How often How often are you washing your hair in medieval times? Never. So it smells. Also, there's no porn. So what do you do? TBH. It was probably you... like, let me give you one of my dreads because I've never washed my hair. Exactly. it's just turned into And when you're madness. masturbating, you can smell my dirty dread. <laughs> Literally, that's probably what, what it was. <laughs> because they didn't have porn. So you probably smelled the scent. What makes you think they didn't have porn? In the Middle Ages? Maybe they didn't have video, but oh, like true. pictures true, in a book. Oh, there's yeah. certainly. I mean, didn't, I mean, didn't they find like ye old Playboy? Like, yeah. uh, like on like uh, mosaics. Hefner was around back then. Mosaics and Pompeii are just filled with like smut. <laughs> the that's why burned down. Of like Greece, yeah, are yeah. that's just why those smut. and that's why those civilizations no longer exist because God <laughs> punished them. He said, "I not." He said, "Not on this day." No, ma'am. Okay, let's stop being. Well, okay, I'll just say for the record, just kidding. there's a lot of interesting information if you go to the Wikipedia lock of hair page. Under- <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say there's a lot of interesting information about porn on the internet. Well, surely. Uh, I've never typed that in before, but wow. I mean, there's like a dozen. Google's got quite a few results for me. There's like a dozen bullet points here. Some of them are pretty interesting. So, <laughs> all right, Michael, pivot. We, brought, pivot. we brought you here today, <laughs> Michael. The court will hear one case today, and that case is In Re, Speech of the Woods in Wild Shape. Can a shepherd druid communicate with animals in wild shape form? What if it is shaped into the same type of animal that it is trying to speak to? So this issue came up in a game that we had. Uh, Tyler, our shepherd druid, who has um, uh, speech of the woods, um, was wild shaped into a horse and was trying to communicate with a horse that was drowning a la Artax in Never Ending Story. Because I'm an evil DM and I wanted to emotionally traumatize you all <laughs> and have you experience that terrible scene that no child should watch that we all watch. Um, what do y'all think? Yeah. So initially, my like very, very first thought as I, as I was reading through the like wild shape language mm-hmm. for this was that, okay, well, if they keep their own intelligence, wisdom, and charisma, that means their like mind is their own. Mm-hmm. So if they in their if they, you know, never had the ability to speak with a horse or whatever then why would they be suddenly able to if they have retained their own mind? But then, you know, Speech of the Woods says you can converse with beasts, you can converse with many fae, whatever. And if you keep reading in the wild shape, it says you retain the benefit of any features from your class, race, or other source, and you can use them if the new form is physically capable of doing so. So if Speech of the Woods gives you the ability to converse with a beast then my imag- in my imagination the druid isn't speaking in common to a horse when he is in his regular 
lizard folk druid form or whatever race he's picked right when he goes and sees a horse just as himself not in wild shape when he goes and sees a horse he's speaking in horse language and the horse understands him but it says in the description of speech of the woods it says beasts can understand your speech and you gain the ability to decipher their noises and motions so it says like your specifically your speech yes but that does that mean that they are speaking in common? Because it doesn't say they gain the ability to understand your language. It says they gain the ability to understand your speech. So if I went up to a horse and was like, obviously that would be nonsense. But if a druid does it, it is the druid speech that is in the form of a horse. Okay. So when a, when a druid is wild shaped into any animal, they can't speak to the party in common through that animal. Right. But what they can do is use whatever capabilities they already have as that form, right? So if they are in a horse form, then they can speak horse in that form, which means they should be able to communicate with other horses. Well, but not only in that, that form. I mean, because what you're saying is uh, they maintain all their class features so they can speak in horse to any other animal via speech. I- uh, I think well, they can wait, speak in rabbit as a horse. Yes. I think, wait, wait, hold on. There's, there's several, I, I, I think we have to separate like a, a shepherd druid speech of the woods or even the spell speak with animals from a, a regular, a non-shepherd druid who has not cast that spell or does not have that ability. So I think let's start out first with, um, let's, since the question's about shepherd druids, let's start with speech of the woods. So a shepherd druid transforms into a horse um i will let's say before that they're talking to a horse as their humanoid form Mm -hmm. i think that what this what speech of the woods is saying because they learn sylvan but they don't learn like squirrel like squirrel isn't a language or beast speech isn't a language it just says beasts can understand your speech so whatever you're speaking um the, the beasts can interpret that and understand it and as a result they can respond in like chirps and things. And you just as a druid with that ability, pick it up. I, I don't think that you like gain, it's not like gaining proficiency in a language and like you, you understand it in that sense. I think it's more like you're interpreting the things that they do. And that when you speak to them, it's like snow white talking to birds. First of all, I love the fact that for two episodes in a row now, we have had a conversation about squirrel language. <laughs> okay, I don't know why we keep talking about if squirrels can talk. <laughs> Second of all, I think I agree with you, except that if a horse is capable of communicating, then a druid in the form of a horse is capable wait, 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 of speech. Oh, I agree with you, but... Oh, hold on. Wait, you're jumping the gun. First, let's 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 break it apart into chunks, right? So this is just a druid in humanoid form talking to a horse. So oh, we, I think we, oh, we I see all, what you're saying, and right? I think I disagree with you. I think they like take on whatever type of speech is necessary for that animal to understand it. Oh, that's not how I understand. I understand that if you are a if you are a dwarven druid and you speak dwarven to a horse. It understands. Like I guess, like, and it's interesting to think about, like, how this magical effect, like, who it's affecting. It's almost like a, like, it's not coming. It's not. It's 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 being. Is it the 
Is it affecting the speaker or the audience? Yeah, and it sounds like it affects the audience. Like it's a trance right. or something or an enchantment or something that like has magical effect on whatever you're speaking to and it permits the thing you're speaking to the audience to understand what you're saying. I don't think it does anything to the way that you speak though. I guess I guess in rereading it, when it says in addition, beasts can understand your speech and you gain the ability to decipher their noises and motions. I think I think maybe I do change my mind on that and think that they speak in whatever they speak and then they can understand a horse's neighs and whinnies. Okay. Yeah, I don't think that's I I don't think your prior point is like is unreasonable. I think it's just maybe it makes a little bit more sense in in this context, because otherwise they wouldn't wouldn't it say it would use this if we're if we're like thinking statutory construction, it would use the same language. It would say you gain the ability to make noises and motions that communicate with a beast. In which case, it would be funny to watch a druid go up to a horse and like stop, like st- stomping on the ground and <laughs> kicking and. <laughs> um, okay, so that's so I think we're all maybe on the same page in that. Okay, form. yes. Now, that druid bloop, wild shapes into, let's say, an otter, because that's an animal we haven't named yet, um, or a peregrine falcon, or whatever. Now, suddenly, we have new scenario. We have a wild shaped druid talking to an animal. Mm hmm. And we have two layers of that, right? Talking to the same animal that it is and talking to a different animal. Yes. I think, okay, this might be unpopular. And I, I, I think this is going to be one of those situations where it's like, maybe I won't be super strict with it as a DM. But I think the concept of speaking is more specific than communicating gen- broadly. Um, so like the spell speak with animals basically allows an animal to like talk to you. Um, whereas I, I think communicating with an animal, otherwise you would communicate in like clicks and hoots and other types of uh, noises, bleats and and whatnot. Um, so if you were a wild shaped Druid, regardless of your subclass, you would be able to, I would hold that you could like inherently like, understand how wolves communicate and effectively communicate with other wolves but it would be different than if you were to cast the spell speak with animals and like have a conversation with that wolf um i view that as more of like a almost like a telepathic connection with the animal but then how do you reconcile that with the fact that it says you retain the benefit of any feature from your class race or other source right but you have to be physically capable of speaking right so then i think that maybe the distinction comes in whether or not you believe that when a horse whinnies or when a sheep bleats is it speaking exactly right i would argue yes because that's super cute to think about (laughs) michael i don't think so i think that's a very disneyified uh way of whatever conservative (laughs) justice here we go let's hear it come on fuck animals let's go (laughs) Yeah, I'm not buying I'm it. Um, but I mean, they're—I don't know. Like when a when a kitten, you don't meows. think your dog is capable of speaking to you? No, his cat. He has a cat, Bruce. Where's he has Bruce? a dog too, doesn't he? Where is Bruce? It's his roommate. Oh, I put him on the porch. Uh, oh, no. When uh, no, when a, when a cat meows at you, they truly—I mean, and, and surely Bruce has a limited vocabulary, even in his meows. I know what he wants. Comes up to me. I know if he wants food, if he wants to go to the porch, if he wants cuddles. And so, 
I, I do agree with you to an extent, but in terms of whether or not certain beliefs like have a like vocabulary is very, very limited. But I think you're maybe talking about their ability to communicate versus speak, right? So right. That they have sure they have the ability to communicate things to you to like share ideas or what their wants and needs are versus actual speech, which is a whole different thing. Which, fair enough, but no, I grew up in the <laughs> Disney world. <laughs> Anna fully twirling around with the la, birds la, la, and la. deers. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I side with Justice Michael on this, on this at least on this nuanced Dissenter. portion. Um, because I, I, I think that just if we're looking at it strictly statutorily from that perspective, like there has to be a difference between like making noises and communicating and speaking. And I don't think that animals speak because they don't speak a language. They don't know any languages. They just communicate with one another. They um, don't know any languages you know. No, they don't know any languages. <laughs> I mean, I th- this is one of those languages you know. <laughs> this is one of those things where it's like breaking down the wall of reality versus a game. In 5e, they don't like those beasts. If you look at their stat block, they don't know any languages um, versus like a humanoid, which would know languages. So I would say that a, just a druid, um, uh, that a shepherd druid would be able to communicate with like another wolf limited in that limited capacity of communicating. It wouldn't be able to have like, like conversations, right? Yeah. It would be the same effect of their beasts, of their speech of the woods as if they were out of wild shape. However, if they were a wolf and they were talking to a bird I still would hold they could understand the bird, but they wouldn't be able to talk to the bird because they are not speaking. They're they're just they would just be making wolf noises, and the, that would assume the bird had to understand how a wolf interacted. Michael, you Michael, look perp- you look troubled by this ruling. No, I think I think that's right. I think that makes sense. The, I mean, but in play, it's it then it's like then you've got to assume that the bird is going to just start talking to the wolf unprompted because the wolf can't initiate a conversation with the bird. Well, I think, I think you could like theoretically, I mean, uh, maybe, I mean, if, maybe if a wolf howls at a bird, it gets the bird's attention. Or if it just hears a two birds talking, it could presumably understand what those birds are saying. Okay. But there right? again, Whatever conversation, yeah, no, I think that's right, but not birds talking, but birds communicating. Yes, there, yeah, right. okay, thank food, you. Food, 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 sex, 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 whatever birds talk about, I don't know. <laughs> uh, wait, so this adds a whole layer of like, would it just drive a shepherd druid insane to walk through a forest? Because like, you would just understand everything, <laughs> every this. cricket that chirped at night. You'd be like, what the fuck? What, what do you want? Why is that happening? Like, I feel like now you need to make Tyler roll for like psychic damage every time we spend more than an hour in the woods. <laughs> I'm just going to do what Michael said. And like every time an animal is like talking, I'm just going to be like, like you hear, you hear a, a, an owl go, hoo, hoo, and what you hear is, fuck me, fuck me. <laughs> Cloica. <laughs> So what? All right. So is that? Oh, 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 oh! But I wanted to make one further point. 
we're all forgetting, or not forgetting, but aside from this all, druids have access at first level to speak with animals. Mm -hmm. And you could cast speak with animals at any time. It's a ritual, so you don't even need to use a spell slot. And if you really wanted to, you could cast it and immediately revert to wild shape. And while in wild shape, I would say telepathically, you could communicate with any animal. Uh, I think that's just how the spell is meant to function. So yes, if you, I think I would hold. Okay, so let's let's say let's break it all down. A dru a, a, a shepherd druid who's using speech of the woods, um, could only communicate with the same animal they are wild shaped into. Although while wild shaped, they would un still understand the noises and sounds that other and motions that other animals make to communicate. They just wouldn't be able to respond until they reverted back to their humanoid form. I dissent. Okay. Well, look at that split court. We have the, the Disney court dissenting. Um, <laughs> uh, and you know what? I'm fine with that because I'm okay with that too. <laughs> yeah. That's a great ruling. Um, um, uh, okay. Well, uh, justices, Joe and Michael for the majority. Justice Anna dissenting. Order in the court. All right. Enough of this nonsense. Tyler, I apologize. I was a little too strict with that. Um, I was getting. You I know think what? you let him kind of signal things to the horse. And I did. You know, I was getting Shepherd Druid confused with. So Furbolgs have an ability that lets them communicate very limited ideas to animals. And I was getting the Shepherd Druid ability mixed with, mixed up with that. So mm. sorry, Tyler. I will let you. We all made it out alive. It's fine. Yeah. Well, well including well. that horse. So. Including that horse. Yeah. You guys saved him. Um, all right. Guys, chamber chat. Chamber chat. It's time to chat. We're trying in... out different jingles to get us into chamber chat. <laughs> I think you do the same one every time, but it's fine. <laughs> um, all right. Here's our discussion topic for today. Dungeon dives. Yay or nay? Um, what do you think about the old school form of drudging through like a dungeon, opening individual doors, going into every room versus what a lot of DMs have sort of switched to in the end, what I'll say in the entertainment business, because it serves a different function, um, which is more of the, the linear narrative sort of dungeon uh, 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 layouts. Um, and Michael, I thought you might have having, Having spent a lot of time looking through modules and watching a lot of, uh, uh, you know, uh, live play shows and whatnot, and playing in a lot of D and thought you might have a lot of thoughts on this. Topic. Um, I have maybe not a lot. I've got some. I mean, obviously, none of us have played, uh, you know, the original Dungeons and Dragons or right. or advanced D and D or really anything other than fifth edition. And so, to some extent, we're not really qualified speaking. But. Well, you know, I didn't. I don't mean like. <laughs> I don't mean like based on the old rule set. I just mean like the act of like, like the idea of moving through right. a dungeon, which you just did, Prince of the Apocalypse, which is basically one enormous dungeon. Yeah, it is. And I don't. I mean, the thing is, so like, and, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners have played uh, Lost Minds of Fandelver. Uh, mm -hmm. Um, and so even if they didn't finish it, they probably at least got through the first dungeon or the first cave system which is essentially a dungeon and that dungeon is so well constructed and so and, and so well put together and one of the, the big reason for that 
uh, in my opinion, is that because it's so it, it works so well together, everything is interlaced. And if you if you you know if you don't walk stealthily and you if you scare the goblin, he'll run into the pool room and he'll you know pull the yeah. stamps and you'll get these two tidal waves that'll come after you. And then there's the wolves. Uh, you know, spoiler alert to the right. As soon as you <laughs> uh, get into the cave, and you can, if you can uh, soothe them or feed them, uh, you can get past them unscathed. And there's like a chimney that goes up into the uh, the big bad's hideout. It just it just works so well, and it's so small, um, and it still takes time to get through. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is honestly of all and i actually haven't even played through that dungeon but i dm that dungeon and it was so fun and um taking that experience uh in comparison to prince of the apocalypse where it seems like they're like it's just huge and it's gargantuan um for no other purpose than to be huge and gargantuan and i like there's like there's plenty of rooms where you kind of open the door and be like oh there's you know five baddies in there and you go oh we shut it really quickly (laughs) (laughs) it's not really it's nothing's like necessarily integral to the plot or what you're doing and even if you were going to take time to sweep through every single room and every single hallway like more often than not again you'll go into a bunch of these rooms there's nothing of note in there you know nothing that pushes the plot along no particularly great magical items or loot, treasure, or anything like that. And they're just sort of there just to make the crawl a crawl. And, you know, for me, I don't like that. Um, it's not, I mean, but I also think that from what I do know about early editions and, you know, really early editions of, of D&D, like, adventure, like, we conceive of like a, a D&D party now basically um as like a lord of the rings party where like everybody's a hero you are acting mm-hmm. heroically for some sort of noble purpose mm-hmm. but i think back in the and you've got your own backstories and it's really developed into this whole thing but back in the day i think you were basically like uh dungeoneers and you were just like diving into these dungeons to steal treasure and it was like largely one shots or close to one shots like very limited short kind of campaigny things the module was just like like tomb of annihilation uh or tomb of horrors it's like you don't put together a character with a two-page backstory because there's a 95 percent chance you're not going to make it out alive anyway oh oh tomb of annihilation yes yep it's pretty much like this will kill you yeah, yes basically everything <laughs> it's like you essentially have to play it like a dozen times just to get through the whole thing mm-hmm. um yeah, and so for me, I I'm not big in. I mean, I, I think I could be. I think if it was well constructed and it all made sense, and that one section, you know, uh, necessarily led narratively and interestingly into another section uh, for a long period of time, I I would be interested in that. I just haven't seen it. I haven't seen that kind of dungeon. Um, and yeah, I do think that, well, like you mentioned, like you know, in critical role. Um, uh, campaign two. Um, you know, one of my favorite parts of that entire campaign is uh the battle with Lorenzo. Um, oh. episode. What is that like? Twenty six, twenty seven, twenty eight, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, where it's very, very linear, 
it's relatively small. I mean, I, I would hazard to guess how many rooms there are in it. Maybe like eight to twelve at most. It was like maybe. a thieves' hideout, basically. Yeah, but, they but had it was to like, like two in, stories. They had to go into the basement and they had to go mm-hmm. through these various rooms, and there was prisoners and cages and, and stuff like that um, before they made it all the way to the end. Um, but I mean, that's technically a dungeon, and yeah. I thought that was extremely well done. And then later on in campaign two, when they face uh, Oban, uh, oh my god, yes, and get Ashley back is also like extremely well done, but also not this big labyrinth uh, of a dungeon. Yeah. So I don't know. For me, I, yeah. I'm certainly open to something that could uh, that would be interesting. I just and I, you know, if if you're listening to this and <laughs> you've clicked on the link from Twitter, you know. Put it in the comments. Tell me what I need to play or what I need to look at because I'm just not aware of uh, what I should be playing if you're looking for a deep dungeon dive sort of crawl. Haven't you played, Joe, didn't you play some amount of Dungeon of the Mad Mage? I did, yeah. Tell us about that. Well, so, well, Anna, I'm curious. Okay, well, I'll, I'll say, I'll just say Dungeon of the Mad Mage, from from what I understand of Princes of the Apocalypse, I didn't play the portion where you entered the dungeon of that. But um, from what I understand, it's sort of similar. Dungeon of the Mad Mage is, when I say enormous, I mean, it is multiple, like 20 layers of dungeon, each layer enough of a map to fill, like, like a 30 foot by 30 foot room, oh like an actual room if you were actually to map it out. So it is huge. Um, and I, I think I agree with you, Mike. It was a lot of like, oh, here's a dead end corner with like a skeleton in it. Cool. Let's keep going. Um, Anna, we played a similar sort of dungeon, although it wasn't as. Not nearly as vast as what you're describing. Uh, right. No, not nearly. Um, but it's the same type when we were, we, we played a little, uh, side mission where we went to Chult and we went to a temple in Faerun and Chult. So that's sort of, uh, like what we're talking about though. So we've really, all three of us have really kind of done this very dungeon quality thing. And I'm curious what your thoughts on this topic are. Um, it's not my preference. I'll say, I, I think it works much better as Michael said, as a one shot or like a one arc type of thing. Um, I don't think that it works super well for long-term campaigns because A, it's it's very much like a checking off a to-do list kind of vibe, mm-hmm. right? You're like, okay, cleared this room. Okay, cleared this room. And sometimes that can be like really give you a sense of satisfaction that you've like cleared a dungeon and gotten all the gold you can out of it and gotten all the treasure you can out of it and move on to your next adventure. I I mean all all our listeners know I'm way more into like building a plot and a narrative and the storyline and getting to role play than anything else. And that doesn't give you a ton of opportunity to do that, which is another thing. You don't get the opportunity to interact with a lot of NPCs when you're doing these types of dungeon crawls. And that's one of my favorite parts of of playing D&D. So again and and i'm not saying that it's like good or bad i think it's it becomes just like a what are you doing this for like what are you playing D D for are you doing it because you really enjoy the like gather treasure fight some monsters right. and then feel like you accomplish something in a 
semi-short period of time? Or are you doing this like, a, I want to go on a long-term adventure. I want to build a whole world. I want to like pretend this, this is like a whole life that I have built and then play with the group for as long as possible. Because if you have a preference for the former versus the latter, then dungeon crawls are fantastic, right? Like they serve the exact purpose that you're going into this for. Plenty of opportunity for combat, plenty of opportunity for you to feel like you've accomplished your goal. Um, and it moves very quickly in that sense. Right. So it definitely has its pros. Um, but yeah, it's it's not really what what I prefer. I enjoyed it when we did it because it was I knew it was not going to last like forever. I knew that like each our next adventure was going to be vastly different than this one. Right. It wasn't all just going to be dungeon crawl to dungeon crawl. So doing it as part of a long-term campaign is actually, it was really fun to be able mm -hmm. to do that. Um, and I also enjoyed it because the party had already kind of established a rapport, right? So like we were already, like they were already like friends and it wasn't just like five adventures, <laughs> find a dungeon, go into right. the dungeon, fight right. the things in the dungeon, the end. So yeah. there was still a lot of character development. Yes. As yeah. Absolutely. I think um, I agree w with both of you. Um, I think that, like you said, Anna, you, and we've said this a number of times, you play the game for, for the reasons you play it. And if you really enjoy that sort of more like tactical nitty gritty, let's just let's just do dungeons. I don't care about my character development. That's totally fine. Like, right. like that's a legitimate style of play. And if that's the games you're playing, like, cool. Um, me personally. Um, I, I agree with both of you that it it just becomes tedious when when it's um, when it's overused. But Mike, to refer to the example that you picked, you read my mind. Matt Mercer in I believe episodes sixty seven through sixty nine or seventy of Critical Role Campaign Two, I thought were some of the most riveting gameplay because it, in addition like obviously you have these actors who are phenomenal and like there's character development throughout the entire thing the entire dungeon is 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 like plot focused but every fucking room like it, it was it almost combined like like a story like the narrative of of a story with this concept of like trudging through a dungeon because it wasn't this thing where you would turn down hallways and find dead ends. It was this thing where like you had to go through this dungeon, but every room presented a unique challenge and a unique like thing that you had to overcome. Like they, they enter the dungeon on the first level and it's infested with giant spiders. And then they go, they, they continue down this spiral staircase and in the spiral staircase, they trip a trap that closes it behind them. And suddenly the air, every round, everyone takes electric damage as, or lightning damage as the air is electrified and they have to race to the bottom to like, to like basically shut off the thing. Meanwhile, there's air elementals or whatever attacking them. Um, and then from there, they immediately go into this room where hordes of undead keep rising from the sides of the room. And the only way to stop is by killing them and, and taking these things that drop from them and putting them in the center. And then once the, you do that, the door opens, but the undead keep coming and you have to like run through the door. And like, then there's a huge bridge. We have to make all these wisdom saves. It, it just kept going. And it was like, this is so fucking cool because <laughs> it's it felt like, like that really that 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 really i don't want to say like forced dungeon but it felt like yes this is a dungeon crawl this is very much like delving you know delving underground 
overcoming all these obstacles and triggering these traps and whatnot. But it also was like every step got you closer to ultimately uncovering this huge plot point, which was this battle with Oban. Um, one of the characters, like, you know, spoilers, but one of the characters um, turns against the party during that fight um, and is absent from the show for a while. Like, it was so well constructed. And I think if you want, if you are running a long-term campaign, um, like the ones that that we prefer to play here, um, and you want to incorporate some of these aspects of like a dungeon crawl, I agree with you, Mike. Make it a dungeon where you really put time and thought into how does this dungeon work as a cohesive unit? Don't just put a scattering of rooms with monsters and make it hard for them to take a rest. Put things where a goblin can trigger something that that flushes you out and knocks you down to a lower level. Put things in where you can get trapped by oozes or trapped by whatever. Um, because I really think that those are going to be the... I, I think that's going to be way more engaging for you as a DM and for your players. Yeah. Totally agree. Totally agree. Ugh, look at that. We're so agreeable, you guys. <laughs> I don't know, but you know what? I wish we had I wish we had somebody who's done, you know, Dungeon of the Mad Mage or Prince of the Apocalypse who and who like loves them genuinely. And just to get their perspective. Because yeah. like for me, I just I don't see the real appeal of it. And and maybe maybe I'm just doing it wrong, you know? Mm-hmm. Um well I mean, maybe it's just not the thing that draws us to it. And I, I, I'm i with you. Like, there are definitely people out there that are drawn to this kind of um, I mean, dungeon crawl type of play. I mean, I'm looking at the adventure books. Uh, I think Strahd, I know Curse of Strahd is very uh, similar, too, in that Strahd basically lives in, like, this massive castle. I mean, this extremely huge castle. Um and that is essentially a just a giant dungeon as well. Um, and people love that. So I don't know. I I wish well, I had another in, perspective. In, yeah, in Strahd, I mean, there's a lot of different aspects to to Strahd. I think, um, uh, yeah, I I I I think it's just for for those players. It really is just kind of a whole different game, right? It's it, for me and for all of us. I I think we love that. Like, oh, cool, we're in this part of this overarching story. And it's like, right. It's it's like we're building this narrative and we're coming together in in this unique way as a party. And it's going to just be really fun and engaging. Um, but uh, I, I, I do think people just get a lot out of that more sort of like video game style. Like, we're going to go to every room. If my character dies, great. I'll roll a new one. But I want to like just dig through this dungeon. I want to find loot and I want to hit shit. Mm-hmm. You know? And that's honestly like, that's why I love having dungeons in campaigns because you need that. Sometimes, sometimes. you want that. Right. Yeah, like, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just a matter of balancing. Like I, as a player wouldn't want to play in like this long, beautiful narrative campaign only to then be stuck in a dungeon of the mad mage style maze for like 50% of the campaign. Right. I think balance is key. And um, I mean, yeah, like for in Gaija too, you guys really haven't had many of those because you've been on more of like a land march to a certain mm-hmm. point, but mm-hmm. you're certainly going to encounter larger dungeons as you continue. And um and and you we will have those, you know, those moments of exploration and things where it's a little bit more uh, of this traditional dungeon. So uh, yeah, and I feel like I, I look forward to that because 
it'll feel to me like it's part of a narrative, you know, it's part of the like larger narrative. And I really do enjoy them when I feel like there's an end to it and that it's part of the goal that we're trying to achieve and not just the goal itself. So. Yeah. Fabulous. Michael. So glad you could join us, my dear. Always lovely to have you. I'm so glad to be here. So glad to be here. I noticed that Game Master's Merchant has a Twitter now. Um, If you're listening, go follow Game Master's Merchant. What's the, what is it at GM Merchant? Yes, that's correct. Fabulous. Do you have any, um, anything exciting upcoming that you'd like to tell us about? So, um, the condition cards uh fifth uh conditions for fifth edition uh as they are called uh they have been manufactured Ooh. um i'll get the production samples um next week hopefully nice and then Excellent. i will expect the shipment uh to arrive in by the end of november hopefully knock on wood um i hope they don't come into december because i would really like to get them online uh before the christmas season um but yeah they will be they'll definitely be for sale uh by the end of the year hopefully in november but possibly december awesome and if you if listeners if you have ideas for um little like cards and things and wish you had as a dm or a player definitely tweet them at game masters merchant and uh mikey will i'll consider it absolutely and we will look out for the updates on that on your Twitter, I assume? Yes, yes, awesome. yes. Fabulous. Excellent. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Mikey. Thank you, guys. Thanks to all our listeners. We'll see you next time. Yep. Bye. She can do most anything with her pony pal, Zelato, too. If you've got a heart, then Iso's the gal for you.